0: Well, here's the thing. All of these magazines and YouTube videos and documentaries and books that do well in the world, they talk about people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg that burn the ships behind them. And they fetishize this massive risk of jumping out of an airplane and figuring out if they've even got a parachute on the way down. <laughs> and people think that's the only thing that they can possibly do. But that is such a a risky thing for people to get through their head, that they could possibly do that, that nobody ever takes those risks because it is a risky thing when they say like, oh, I'm yeah. just gonna give up my income and hopefully figure something out. Nobody's gonna take those risks, rightfully so. So when I go in the few times that I get asked to speak at uh, my university that I went to, they don't like that I say this because it isn't the sexy thing to say. I say like, start your business when you have another career. Start your business when you have backup. Gradually work your way into actually making it your career because then you can make decisions that aren't that risky, that aren't going to financially ruin you, that aren't going to cause you to have to monetize something sooner and scratch and claw for a few dollars here and a few dollars there before you actually grow any sort of audience.
1: Starting or growing your business is hard work, but now you are listening to the Better Business Podcast with me, Steve Cook, and I'm going to try and make it a little easier on you. We on this podcast help you grow a better business with real advice from professionals, and today is no different. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest with me. He is best known as Triathlon Terran online. He runs the second largest triathlon related YouTube channel listen here in the world. He has the largest triathlon podcast in the world, he has nearly 500,000 total followers online and is the founder of the Motive brand. His company that he runs helps adult endurance athletes live a more fulfilling life by providing products that deliver the training needed to cross finish lines without the physical, mental, health, and relationship struggles typical of preparing for endurance sports. Taryn, I've been one of your trainiacs for a long time. Um, and I can't, uh, I'm a little bit of a fanboy of you and I can't uh, tell you thanks enough for, for being on the show. Um, well, thanks
0: for having I wanted me. To, this, this is cool. It's rare that I get to talk about anything besides strictly endurance sports. So to and that's, geek out that's about exactly, business, this is fun.
1: That's exactly, I was wanting to, you know, basically give you some respect. I think a lot of people don't appreciate enough the fact that a lot of people that run personal brands or run, um, you know, any sort of, of YouTube channel or anything online that they don't give them enough respect for knowing the business side of things more than sometimes the thing that they're actually talking about. Not to downplay your knowledge in fitness, of course, but, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the business side of things as well. How do you, how do you feel you are? Do you feel like, you know, as much about business as you do fitness or do you, what do you feel like?
0: Well, they're both really interesting things in that, like the more you learn about them, the less you feel like you learn. So it's hard for me to feel super confident and boastful about what we've done. But I would say compared to a lot of other endurance sports coaches, what I looked at when I started getting lucky enough to build this following was, all right, I've got this following and yeah, maybe I could sell some shirts or a couple of digital products. I wanted to build a brand, a movement, something that could help people regardless of my following. I fully expect that I'm in like the 12th, 13th minute of my 15 minutes of fame. And I don't want to stop helping people cross finish lines and have their lives improved by endurance sports. And to be able to do that, I need to create a business that is bigger than myself. So for the past three years, we've been building this motive brand and and looking at it from the standpoint of, all right, yeah, I've got this this following that's great and it's it's a fantastic experience, but how can I actually use that little bit of a voice that I've got right now to build a, a brand that is on par with Peloton and Nike. And regardless of whether I am putting out YouTube videos or not, people are out there reaching their goals because of something that we did. And that's something that I've worked at a long time that I think a lot of of people in the endurance sports industry don't look at. They look at it as like, all right, hey, we really like cycling, so let's build a cycling business and just talk about cycling and not really looking necessarily at the business tactics that you need to have to have this really large sustainable brand. Um, I, I have a business degree, but I don't even credit a lot of what I've learned to that I I think it's been more books and self-education and just looking at it more from the standpoint of like, how do I build something? Not necessarily what did I learn in books 12 years ago? Um, (laughs) So it's been been really interesting to almost see myself more as a business person than an endurance sports person.
1: Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you, at one time, I, I, I'm almost positive I'd seen a, one of your videos that you had left maybe like a corporate job or something like that to kind of start doing this full time. What, what
0: background did you come from before you started doing all this? That's right. I was a financial advisor about six and a half years ago, really just fed up with being a financial advisor and going in. And all I felt like was I was moving paper from one side of my desk to the other to help rich people get richer. And it wasn't fulfilling (laughs) at all. It wasn't creatively fulfilling. I, I really didn't really get the point of it, which was probably why I was spectacularly average at it, but I needed some sort of creative outlet. And this was the way to be able to do that. I just started putting out YouTube videos about what I was most passionate about. And that was endurance sports. And after about nine months, a local person who had an online business, noticed what I was doing and offered me the opportunity to come and start up a social media division at his company. And I really wasn't sure if I wanted to do that because I had the suits and like, I had like all the fancy ties and racks and racks of like custom tailored shirts (laughs) and I had more letters with designations in behind my name than were actually in my name because I'd committed (laughs) to this traditional finance career. And I came home and I had how this, old were you? How old are you at this time? I was uh, 30, 30 or 31. Okay. And I came home and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this. And my wife said, well, what do you do on evenings and weekend? You go on social media. You don't watch MSNBC. So you're not happy or fulfilled being an investment advisor. What's the worst that can happen? You go and find out that you really like being an investment advisor and then you come back and. I ended up taking was it, that. Was
1: it a significant pay cut?
0: No, it was actually a pay raise because I was. Oh, okay. I was spectacularly <laughs> average as an advisor, <laughs> so it was a pay raise. But it was this uncertain leap where I could look as a financial advisor at the people that were in the offices next to me and say, "Oh, there's a future where I can make two, three, six, eight hundred grand a year if I." just keep going in this. But I didn't know what that future meant if I went into social media. So it was financially not super risky. From a long-term planning standpoint, it was, I would say not risky, but just really uncertain. Yeah, did
1: you see a a hole in the market as far as why you started making the triathlon videos? Was it that well thought out or were you just kind of stumbling into hey, this video got a few likes and and things like that.
0: More like the, hey, this video got a few likes. I ended up (laughs) probably doing about 50 videos just for fun, just to learn how to edit with my phone and then learn how to edit with my iPad and then with an actual camera. The first 50 to 60 videos were just for fun. And then after a little while, I started looking at the analytics and like, all right, why did that video take off? what can i do ahead of time before i even turn on a camera to figure out how a video can get noticed and that's where i started going down the niche of hey i used to be a beginner triathlete and there's a lot of other beginner triathletes out there and there's not a lot of content for them and maybe i can share some of the lessons that i've had so that's where we started leaning into just helping the regular person helping the average person reach their goals
1: that's awesome and when you got into the um portion of jumping from you know maybe not even the small business um deal that you were helping the guy with but when you went or i'm assuming are you completely pot committed into what you're doing now i would imagine
0: yeah we haven't had any sort of backup plan for about three years actually <laughs> as of last week it was uh, september 1st of count our way back 2018 that we wrapped up our very last consulting client or any sort of income from anything besides endurance sports three years ago.
1: And one thing you had mentioned before when we had talked before is you said that you don't believe in taking massive risks. What do you think that, you know, did you do something to kind of hedge your bet a little bit in in doing that? or Or why do you feel passionately about people not taking massive risks and, and, starting a business.
0: Well, here's the thing, all of these magazines and YouTube videos and documentaries and books that do well in the world, they talk about people like Steve jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, that burn the ships behind them and they fetishize this massive risk of jumping out of an airplane and figuring out if they've even got a parachute on the way down. (laughs) And people think that's the only thing that they can possibly do, but that is such a risky thing for people to get through their head that they could possibly do that, that nobody ever takes those risks. Because it is a risky thing when they say like, oh, I'm yeah. just gonna give up my income and hopefully figure something out. Nobody's gonna take those risks, rightfully so. So when I go in the few times that I get asked to speak at uh, my university that I went to, they don't like that I say this because it isn't the sexy thing to say. I say like, start your business when you have another career. Start your business when you have backup. Gradually work your way into actually making it your career because then you can make decisions that aren't that risky, that aren't going to financially ruin you, that aren't going to cause you to have to monetize something sooner and scratch and claw for a few dollars here and a few dollars there before you actually grow any sort of audience. So having, in our case, three and a half years where I didn't need to make income from our audience, I was able to spend a lot of time figuring out what do they actually like? What do they need? What do I stand for? What products can I be good at actually making? What can I offer to the world? But if I had left a career or actually even thought, all right, well I'm going to quit and make a career out of (laughs) triathlon right away. Well, a, it wouldn't have happened. I would have been successful. So I probably wouldn't have made that leap. And then B, I would have started trying to monetize something boom right from day one and my audience now you're would have desperate. Been like, yeah hey yeah hey taryn you're sounding a little desperate here <laughs> um you just came out of nowhere why should we buy from you so i really believe that it needs to be a much more gradual approach than people give credit for because it's not sexy to talk about the person like me that was like yeah i basically did it for fun for three and a half years
1: So let's say, let's say that someone does want to amass a following, whether it's for a personal brand, you know, like you started out or whether maybe they're going backwards, maybe they already have a business and they're like, man, if I had, you know, 500,000 followers, I'd be able to sell a lot more stuff. And they, they're going backwards from, you know, kind of the, the path that you had chosen to take. Either way, if someone's wanting to start to amass a following, you had mentioned to that you stuck to a niche and you had talked about that before about sticking to a niche why do you think that someone should do that instead of don't you think that you would get more youtube views and you would get more you know hits online if you speak to a generic audience
0: more than niche or why why do you say that somebody should do that it's important for people to know what you stand for and why they should care so let's say i started out as health and fitness Terran. Sure, <laughs> a huge niche, like 4 billion people in the developed world care about health, health and fitness. Let, let, <laughs> let's just pick that as a number and assume that a good chunk of the world is more concerned with like where their next meal is as opposed to health. and fitness. <laughs> so let's just say it's 4 billion. Great, huge audience. But why would anyone subscribe to health and fitness, Terran just talking about general health and fitness? Eh, I I don't know. Maybe it would work. But if I become triathlon Terran and focus on the 400,000 new triathletes every single year and very openly say, we're talking about triathlon, we are talking about helping beginners in triathlon, even narrowing it down more, talking with triathletes who don't have a background in endurance sports narrow it down even more, all of a sudden our content gets really easy to produce because we just say, what do these people need? What are the answers that currently aren't, or what are the questions that currently aren't answered out there right now? And then just say that. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, hey, Taryn's my guy, because that's what I'm looking for with my information. And what we're doing right now is six and a half years later, we are starting to broaden out, but it's still just more into in beginners in overall endurance sports. I'm not going into general health and fitness. Huh. Um, so it becomes easier to get, it's called a beachhead in, in marketing terms. It's easier to get your yourself established if you go hyper focused and then broaden out from there, as opposed to broaden out and really stand for nothing.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, And in talking about, you know, creating content for the specific audience, you, I'm sure, deal with, as many people do, okay, that sounds great. And they come up with, you know, two videos instantly off the top of their head. But now, you know, say it's a week later, say it's three weeks later, or whatever it might be, sometimes I think that there's a big struggle to come up with new content you know, over and over and over, what would you say you had talked about how, um, putting out content without a very well-structured plan is something that people should stop doing. What would you say to somebody that is, that is, you know, they have no plan for their content. They're just, I thought of this video. I want to put it out. Why would
0: you, what would you say to that? That, that snap thought of a video. I'm going to put it out. That's what I did for the first 50 or 60 videos. (laughs) And I got a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) Like maybe, gotcha. 200 subscribers for 60 videos and a lot of time. That's not a very good return on investment. What ended up starting to work past that 50 to 60 videos was a technique that is harder to do on YouTube now because it's six and a half years later and there's more content, but I'm still finding these opportunities on podcasts, on Google ads, on SEO. And you just look at This tactic over and over and over on whatever platform is kind of the flavor of the day, or wherever you are interested in be it podcast, or YouTube, or written form, or TikTok, or whatever it might be. And you start looking at what are questions that people have out there, and what is there not an answer for? So, let's call it my 60th video was a preview of the Ironman World Championship in 2014 or 15. And what I realized was people were starting to search for previews before the the event was coming. And there weren't any videos out there for it. There was nothing but recaps from previous years. And how I did this was I started typing in Ironman World Championship space 21, as if I was going to type out 2014. And what happened was it auto-completed. So when something auto-completes in YouTube or in Google or in any search bar, when it auto-completes and it pops up and suggests, are you searching for this? That's an indication that a whole bunch of other people are also searching for it. So I would start going over and over with this tactic, looking for opportunities like Ironman World Championship 2014 search and then see if there was a video that would actually satisfy that search query. And what I found was there wasn't in that case with the Ironman World Championship. So I did a video about the preview, published it about two weeks before the event, and it was the first video that took off, got something like 30,000 views. That's still, wow. even now, today, six years later, a good <clears throat> video for me. And I still find opportunities like that on, Google ads on SEO everywhere because there's just an infinite amount of questions. So this idea of, well, I'm just going to come up with a thought and because I came up with the thought, I think other people probably have the thought too. Yeah. Other people might have the thought too, but there might also be 200 or 200,000 pieces of content out there that you have to compete with. But if you do this work ahead of time, to actually create something that is underserved then all of a sudden you can start building a following because it makes it easier to break through makes it easier to break through yeah because all you're doing is whether you are an absolute expert not me or somebody who's just regular joe from winnipeg in the middle of nowhere canada you are somebody who is providing those people that are searching with the information that they're looking for and boom you pop up. So it's less about luck or your personality or did your video or your TikTok or whatever, just take off and more about you controlling the outcome.
1: If someone say, say someone wants to start a a business and they know what they want to start, but it's, it's something that maybe, um, isn't as traditionally, um, maybe compared to a personal brand or whatever it might be. Um, say it's a restaurant or say it's a, you know, a, a clothing store or something like that. Do you think that someone to maybe minimize that risk that you talked about earlier, that someone should maybe build a personal brand around a topic before they start that business?
0: That'd be a tough call because it depends on the situation. Maybe somebody doesn't want to be a personal brand. So in that case, I'd say no. That's a good point. Um, maybe there's somebody who's just really not comfortable on camera or, comfortable talking? So again, I'd say no. Regardless of how somebody ends up building a following or how somebody ends up building traffic, that same tactic applies. So let's say somebody is more outgoing, wants to be a personal brand. Yeah, by all means, create the personal brand. If you're somebody who just wants to be in the shadows, then maybe look for SEO opportunities or Google ad opportunities but it's the same tactic of looking for something that's underserved unanswered online and then making content to match those search queries
1: whether it's a product or a video or whatever it might be yeah Yeah, that's a good that's a good point um so though you know tons about you know building a brand and building a, a following you do know a lot about fitness and getting started into fitness and that is kind of your expertise. Um, so I wanted to spend maybe the last half of this conversation talking about, um, someone that wants to get into fitness or, um, maybe even the triathlon space. And let's assume that maybe everyone that is listening to this podcast, um, the majority of the people that listen are from the United States. And if you haven't heard the majority of people in the United States have a few pounds to lose, um, or, or have that desire. So. Talk to somebody that wants to lose a few pounds. Should they, should they do a triathlon? Um, maybe you should explain a triathlon. I think a lot
0: of people might not even know what all that entails. Triathlon is swim, bike, run, and it ranges from, anywhere from a, a sprint triathlon, which can be over in as little as an hour, up to an Ironman, which might take 17 hours. It's always swim, bike, run. And it's a terrible sport if you like your free time and your money. <laughs> <It> <laughs> takes a lot of time and a lot of this money. Is the worst, this is the worst sales pitch ever. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what? It's a, it's a phenomenal challenge. It's very, very fulfilling because there's very few sports out there that you are faced with the question of, can I take another step? Can I actually do this? Or might I die? Like if you go to the golf course or you go to adult softball or soccer, (laughs) or even CrossFit, most people aren't coming up to the start of that sport event thinking, I might die here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can actually get through this. But in these long endurance events, there's enough fear there that it brings up all of our, our primordial feelings of like fight or flight of like, this is real danger. And that's exciting. I'm going to be honest with you. Like when you end up in that last two hours of an Ironman, where it's a complete battle between your legs and your brain, where your brain is saying, No, I don't want to do this. But another part of the brain is saying, yeah, I think you can do this. Keep going. And then your legs are just screaming. You're really finding out what you're made of. You're getting kind of close to like little bits of seeing death, like seeing like your 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 body (laughs) in peril. And that is a good place to learn from because you learn what you're really made of, who you really are, not what do you like when you're stuck in traffic or when you're going about your day at the water cooler and all these societal things that like we've kind of just layered on top of our typical day-to-day that end up becoming automatic, you find out what you're made of. Are you gonna have to pee in the water? Are you gonna have to run into the bushes because your gut is, is falling apart? Like these are things that somebody listening would go, oh my God, why would he wanna do that? Yes, I agree but also why wouldn't you wanna do that to actually see what you're made of? So yeah, that's that. Now just getting into fitness, it doesn't have to be there. I don't think that anyone needs to do these ultra endurance events. If you really have an inkling of seeing what you're made of, by all means, they're a great way to find out what you're made of, but you can start way, way, way shorter of that with half an hour, three, four times a week and whether it's strength training or running or cycling or yoga or whatever it is like a half an hour, three, four times a week is plenty for really good overall health.
1: When I think about the, uh, I'd like to get your opinion on this. When I think about the order of the triathlon, I often think about the panic attack that most people have when they first, you know, maybe do their first triathlon, um, and they jump in the water Mm -hmm. and, I think that those three sports are in that order for maybe that reason. But do you think that they put the swim first? Because it's kind of an order of, if you stop swimming, you're in trouble. If you stop riding your bike, you just kind of have to put your foot down. If you stop running, you can just walk. Do you think that they put those in that order to keep people from drowning or something like
0: that? A hundred percent. That's exactly why we do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's give people the best chance of not drowning here. (laughs) yeah
1: i've always wondered that and i'm like they have to do that on purpose i mean maybe it was an accident to begin with but uh but i could see that being a disaster if they ever decided to flip-flop the order or anything
0: oh ter- yeah terrible i don't know if i'd ever want to do a <laughs> run bike swim well, i guess it would really motivate you to finish so that would that would be a <laughs> yeah probably be a little more cautious on the run and the bike i'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> yeah make sure you don't
1: blow up yeah. uh, um so some of the exercise benefits that I tried to look at some statistics, some studies, stuff like that in preparation for this, there's literally studies on exercise, helping with stress relief, and improves sleep increases energy. What that makes no sense to me, but I, they found that exercise increases your energy, um, helps with weight reduction. There's so many benefits to exercise. Do you think that, you know, from a business person's aspect, that somebody as a business leader or a business owner or something like that, do you think that exercise, maybe not quite as extreme as triathlon, but maybe as extreme as that, do you think that that's something that you see and maybe your clients or the people that you've talked to that this exercise actually helps in their
0: business? I've never actually looked at studies on that. I know personally myself, I became a much better functioning human when I was healthier. I wasn't always triathlon Taren, I started as 215 pound drinking and fast food taren and now i'm down to like in the 160s is usually where i am and i'm able to function a lot better and i really believe that the reason for this is because if you look at the body system there's the nervous system which is like that. that's kind of what we actually experience the world with. That's our brain, that's, that's eyes, that's our nerve endings that, that make everything function. There's the digestive system. There's the musculoskeletal system with your muscles and your, your bones. There's your cardiovascular system, uh, your heart and lungs. All of, and there are a few other systems, but these are kind of like the primary ones that determine, do you have energy? Do you feel good? Are you depressed or are you energetic? And they all work together. Now, if you just look at making sure that you are functioning well, healthily, so that you can go and put in long days, or as a business owner, be clear of mind so that you can make smart decisions, so that you aren't irritable, so that you don't fade towards the end of the day, having all of those systems functioning well is critical to that. And if you ignore any one of those systems by, I would say, even exercising too much, it doesn't help you either. So in a lot of cases, endurance athletes will train 20, 25, 30 hours a week just in endurance sports thinking, oh yeah, I'm king of the world and and I can exercise the most. So I'm the best at exercise. So therefore I should be healthy. But when you exercise that much in just endurance sports, all you're doing is helping your cardiovascular system and your digestive system is not doing well. Your nervous system is probably not doing well. Your musculoskeletal system is not doing well. So it actually gets to that point where a lot of people say like, ugh, that can't be healthy for you. I agree. But if you take a much more balanced approach of, you know what, maybe if I really push it, I'm gonna average between five and 10 hours a week of exercise and it's going to include strength. For my muscles and my bones it's going to include some cardio for my heart and my lungs it's going to be balanced and with good nutrition so that my digestive system is going to be good i'm going to do it with friends so that there's a supportive community so that my mental well-being is good and i'm not going to do anything to extreme excess and beat up my hormonal system and my nervous system all of a sudden then you become a really high functioning human just because all of your systems are taken care of, and I think that that has to translate into being more successful at business, because you'll have more energy, because you'll be more clear of mind, you'll be able to make better decisions, you'll be able to put in those longer days, you won't be as moody or as irritable. I don't see how it couldn't help be a better business person.
1: Yeah, those are all great points. But what if what if someone is is listening to this and they um. Maybe they've signed up for a, a couch to 5K. Maybe they've signed up for even a triathlon. Maybe they've signed up for something, but they cannot get motivation to, to put the shoes on and go run or they cannot find the motivation to get going. What would you say to somebody like that that is stuck right now?
0: There's two parts to this. And the first part is probably not what you're expecting. I would actually say respect why that motivation isn't there. Sometimes that motivation isn't there because you aren't healthy enough to be doing that. And that's your body's way of bringing you back and saying, whoa, 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 this is a little bit too much for us. So maybe it is that you aren't sleeping even seven hours a night. Maybe you do have a digestive system imbalance. Maybe your nervous system is pretty beat up. Maybe your hormones are pretty beat up. So respect that, that in a lot of cases, low motivation is a message of some thing that is in one of those systems that is out of whack. Now, if you've gone through that and you're confident that you're overall healthy, and then you're still lacking motivation, there are a couple of tools that I like to use is one, have a goal, maybe that race, the 5K or a triathlon, something that scares you just a little bit, Like, like actually scares you so that every day you go, holy smokes, I got this race and oh, I don't know if I'm going to get through it. I better train. And that works really well. That's worked really well for even me when I know what I'm doing to come into these races. And every time I've stepped up in a distance or done some sort of ultra endurance event, that fear is a really good motivator. Second thing is to have a training group around you. So I know it's kind of intimidating to say, I'm gonna start running and then I'm gonna go join a group because you don't know if you've got the right gear or if you've got the right running technique, or if you can. Don't wanna be embarrassed. Yeah, you don't wanna be embarrassed around new people. But you know what? All of those new people were new people at some point too, and they want to help new athletes get in. And that accountability to show up to a workout, and not let people down who are expecting to see you there, huge motivator. That feeling of having a support network of people around you, like this is why our homepage in our training app has your workouts for the day at the top, but then underneath, it's a never ending social media feed. So it's not just about you doing the work by yourself, it's about you doing the workouts with everyone around you. And that community is one of the best parts of endurance sports. You know, you you and I we talked about before we were we were recording about how you can meet people in this sport or in this this online business world who listen to your stuff. That connection, that human connection is what this is all about. And just going and joining a race without that human connection, it does make it a lot harder. So I would say have something that scares you a little bit and try to have some sort of a community around you, whether it's online or a local team or even just one coach that you hire and talk to in person, having that personal connection, the accountability really helps.
1: Are you a big proponent in people signing up for races to, you know, make like a deadline or a or motivating um, you know, carrot on a stick or anything like that? Or do you not yeah. think that necessarily you are
0: Yeah. Yeah, do it. I, I think that having something on the calendar It gives you structure gives you a direction it gives you that little bit of fear maybe gives you a purpose for your training had you asked me 20 months ago before the pandemic came around if i was an introvert or an extrovert i would say ah, introvert for sure and i can talk online and go on these podcasts and meet people in person but i definitely need to be by myself a lot i've learned that that is very opposite to what the actual case is. (laughs) I need to be able to train with people. I need to have a goal on the calendar. It needs to be purposeful. And I think a lot of people have had that realization that it's not just about suffering by yourself. It's about having a reason for that suffering, a reason to be healthy um that is kind of motivating and in a lot of cases it's having something on the schedule and having people around you
1: what would you say to someone that do you think that you know your portion of you know a niche within a niche almost but just backing up to um cardio and endurance and stuff like that versus weights and maybe say CrossFit or something like that. Do you think that it's important to have um, the endurance aspect or cardio aspect um, for any sense of, of mental clarity or anything like that? Or do do you not, do you not uh, pick a side on that?
0: Uh, I pick the side of overall health. If you're to look at a bodybuilder who can flex his muscles and have 24 inch arms and lift tons of weights, but couldn't run to the end of the block, you'd go, that person is not actually healthy. And if you're to look at an Olympic marathoner who can like, let's take Ryan Hall, for example, be 130 pounds and run, I think it was like a 204 or 206 marathon, but can't bench press 120 pounds, you wouldn't think he's very healthy either. I am very much on board with the idea that you can and should do both that you should take care of both your cardiovascular system so that your heart and lungs are healthy and your musculoskeletal system so that your muscles and your bones are nice and strong. And this is how you stay overall healthy and stay balanced. The, the, the requirement to do both requires you to not really go all in on one or the other and go into overtraining in one or the other or injuries in one or the other. It forces you to dial back be more balanced. And then you're somebody who can run to the end of the block, but you can also get up to pee in the middle of the night, hit the edge of the bed and brace yourself so that you don't break a hip. Like these things are important (laughs) to make sure that we're still an active 60, 70 and 80 year old. You've got to have both.
1: You seem to be a, a big fan of moderation and everything.
0: I have had to learn that the hard way. I have myself gone down the path of I don't need strength training because I want to get four minutes faster in a half Ironman. And when the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden there are no half Ironmans and I took up golf and all of a sudden I couldn't move my hips without actually putting a rib out of place. This was a Mm -hmm. really big lesson where I had to realize, Holy smokes, I'm one of the top 3% fastest triathletes in the world, but I can't even get through a four hour round of golf literally without pulling out a rib wow this this is not balanced this is not a way to be healthy this is a way to go down a path of sure maybe finding your limits in one sport but paying for it for the next four decades
1: and not being a well-rounded person in in multiple different things
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: that's interesting um so last question i want to ask you to give say one piece of advice and we've talked about just kind of going all the way back to maybe this is the person that is more interested in the business side of this, or maybe this is the person that's more interested in the fitness side of this. Um, and you can speak to both or either of them, but if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody that's just now starting out, or maybe they've, they've already started out, but they've kind of plateaued in say business or fitness, what advice would
0: that be? I'm going to ask for a little bit of a pause here so that I can actually go back to my notes, because this is a really good (laughs) question that you asked me this over email and I had to think about it quite a bit. Like I sat there for 10 minutes going, huh, I've only got (laughs) one piece of advice. So I I wrote this down and I was like, oh, remember this. And then I didn't.
1: (laughs) You had mentioned, you had mentioned something about, um, looking at your best clients and trying to figure out, there we figure out why, why they are.
0: Okay. So thanks for the reminder. So it was, yeah, look at your best clients, figure out why they're your best clients and how you can uniquely position your business to service those types of customers. So let's say somebody's plateaued or they're just starting out. It works for both. Figuring out <laughs> who you are most interested in servicing, and who you are really good at servicing. This allows you to have direction in what you're doing. So looking back to my scenario, I wasn't a pro triathlete. I wasn't an elite triathlete. I wasn't a researcher. But what could I do? I could actually look back and say, all right, well, I was a beginner and now I'm kind of fast. So I can share those lessons. Now, if I was just going aimlessly and saying, Hey, I want to do stuff in triathlon without any sort of direction. I would have been that generalist and wouldn't have had any sort of focus in the content. But when I looked at, all right, who is at the start, it was just, who's responding to my videos? What are the comments saying about why they like the content? I started seeing a lot of comments about, Hey, I'm a beginner triathlete. I'm really loving what you are doing here. I started making more of that. And it allowed us to go into this niche, the niche of the niche of the niche, and then broaden out from there. It's the same thing that we're doing six and a half years later with our app. What can we actually really be unique in? It's helping the general athlete enjoy a well-balanced approach, have some fun doing it, and that's not out there. And that's also who we really enjoy helping because we get to help them to their first finish line or their second or their third finish line. And we have a fair bit of expertise in that. So without recognizing who you really like serving and and helping in their life, matching that with what you can uniquely help people with, that's what's going to allow you to build a business because it's that overlap of like, what will people pay you for? And what do you know how to do and that's how you, you end up creating some sort of a, a market in the world. Have you read the book, The Pumpkin Plan? I haven't, but I love the sounds of it. It's a, it's about,
1: it's a weird title, but he explains in the introduction about um, somebody that wants to grow the largest pumpkin and relates it to a business, how you have to cut off all the, you can't just let a ton of pumpkins grow in a field. You have to cut off, you have to find which one you want to go with and cut off all the other ones off the vine and, and find that one pumpkin that you want to nurture and care for and relates it to business. And the, the relation is, is that you have to figure out what, you know, alleyway you want to go down, you have to find which customer segment you want to go down or whatever it might be, and focus specifically on that group. And what a lot of people think is, like we've been talking about, that it's scary because, oh no, I'm going to lose all the other ones. Well, he says that just like in the pumpkin relationship, those other ones are, are cutting off oxygen of your time or your money or your assets. Of customers that you don't even want to cater to, but they're they're making you strain and not be able to take care of those other ones that you want to take care of the most. And uh, it's a really good book. I read it pretty recently, and it, it's very catered to you know kind of service based businesses. Um, so it didn't necessarily apply to to retail as much as as service based. But it was a really good um, book about that.
0: Yeah, I think um, that's a, a great approach.
1: What about what about in fitness? What if somebody's as struggling to start or struggling to, to um, break through a plateau or something like that in fitness, in, in endurance or, or whatever it might be? What would you say to them?
0: Well, I'll give a very, very basic and specific and very biased because this is our approach. This is what we call the, the motive method. And just straight up, do some strength. I am a really big fan of using kettlebells. And I'll I'll stop short of giving really specific movements or where to find exercises, but kettlebells, as far as bang for your buck, getting strong with not a lot of money, kettlebell movements are like the thing. Um, Then pair that with a little bit of endurance training. I would have endurance training in two buckets, one being very light, low intensity, maybe it's hiking or trail running or light bike riding and offset that with really high intensity. So like 10 second sprints, 30 second max effort intervals with big rest, like two, three, four minutes rest, that pair of the low intensity is going to help your muscles build mitochondria. So you have more energy producers in your muscles. And then the fast stuff helps that mitochondria learn how to function better. So that pair of strength and kettlebells being very agility stability focus because you've got to be very mobile to work well with kettlebells and endurance training where you're hitting both aspects of the mitochondria the low intensity and the high intensity even at like five hours of training a week you're going to become a very very fit person because your muscles are going to be strong your bones are going to get more dense your hormones are going to balance out your energy levels are going to be higher your neuromuscular ability to move quickly and and function really well is going to be higher and for that you don't have to do these 20 25 hour weeks like i said you can do a five hour week and if you're strong and healthy and balanced you can go and do any endurance event or any crossfit event or any kettlebell event or yoga like you can move through whatever you wanna do in sports. And those are the two things that that I really like. Like kettlebells, I think are sort of the secret sauce out there of being um, the unloved um, or- um, The hidden maybe, gem, huh? Maybe not a hidden gem. They don't get the credit that they deserve. And then the same with those low intensity or super high intensity things. Those three things are kind of like if there's only three things that you can do do those.
1: Man, I can't uh I can't thank you enough for for being on. Um like I said, I I uh remember finding your YouTube videos probably. I think I was searching like what is a triathlon. I've only done like a few and they've all been Olympic distance but uh they but go? I remember I mean, I finished, so <laughs> the go. first one, hey, the first one, I'm not an anxious person. I'm not a panicky person at all. And when I tell you like I had a panic attack when I first like started swimming, I was like, I'm gonna die. And so I I had all, I've never, I've done some uh, uh, cycling, you know, 100 mile, you know, deals like that and um, have done a few events. And I am very, we'll call it hard headed or determined or whatever you wanna say. I am like, I'm not going to be the guy on the sag wagon going back, you know? And so I was bound and determined to finish and I got probably a hundred yards into the swim. I was like, I'm out, I'm, I'm going to die. So I'm, I'm literally, and I don't know if, if it was the, the relief from like, I'm quitting. So I can, I, I that's what maybe slowed my heart rate down or what, but I start swimming over to the kayak and, uh, And all of a sudden I was like, Hey, I'm not as out of breath now. So I decided I'm going to swim to the next kayak. So I swim a little bit farther and I was almost to that one about to quit. And I was like, I'm just swimming now. And I'm like a quarter of the way down. What am I doing? So I I ended up just getting through the swim and, and it went good after that. But yeah, it was, uh, it was the first time I've ever, I think it was like a legit panic attack. I've never had one or any experience with them, but it was was pretty intense
0: to finish. Right. When you're faced with like, (laughs) yeah. I'm given in, I might die. And then you finish like how cool yeah. is that, right?
1: Yeah. It's such a cool, it's, it's such a unique sport. And and now, you know, it's kind of, I'm sure you've, you went through the same um, process, but now it's kind of addicting to watch because you know how much is, is involved with every aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To know that even the people who are setting all time world records are like the most fit people that you could imagine in triathlon are going through that run and thinking that they are bleeding from their eyes. Cause it's so painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like Hey, they suffer just the same way I suffer. They might be going faster, but they're still hurting too.
1: Yeah. Yep. We've, uh, if you, if you've done one, you've, you've definitely been there, whether it's, and that's what I'm saying. Like mine was an Olympic distance. So I can't even wrap my mind around. Have you done a full, I guess?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've done one.
1: I cannot wrap my mind around you know, the the distances, it's just, it's mind blowing.
0: Uh, you just get really good at going <laughs> at a slow pace for an entire day. <laughs> yeah, you, you can get there for sure.
1: <laughs> well, man, uh, thank you so much for being on. What's the best way for people? How do you like people to follow you? What's the best platform, your favorite platform?
0: Anywhere they want to follow, whether it's written form or Instagram or YouTube or podcast, depending on how they best learn, you can look up triathlon Terran. Fortunately, there weren't any other triathlon Terrans that I had to fight with. So <laughs> we're the only one. You won. And, and my name wasn't Carl. Like nobody would follow triathlon Carl. So like it yeah. really worked Sounds out there. slow. Yeah. I lucked out. <laughs> yeah i lucked out so triathlon Terran wherever people want to consume their media that's
1: awesome well thanks again
0: thank you hey thank you so
1: much for listening to another episode of the better business podcast with me your host steve cook you know starting or growing a business is hard work so i hope that today's advice made it just a little bit easier for you We'll be sharing more about this exact topic all this week on my social platforms. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, or if you would like to get a a personalized blog post from me on this topic, you can join my email list and I will send you an email once a week. You can check the show notes to subscribe to that or find me on my website, whatever's easier for you. Now get out there and go grow a better business with this advice from today's Real Pros. Thank you for listening.